What a blessing it is just to hear that love of Jesus. Nobody has ever cared for us the way Jesus has. Nobody has ever cared for us the way God has cared for us in Jesus Christ, in sharing his grace, in sharing his life with us. You are deeply loved by God and God has decided to bring forth man and invite us into his throne room of grace. The throne room of grace is the throne room of the fullness of his life. And we who find life difficult, we go to the throne room of grace, the throne room of the fullness of God's life as a gift where God helps us with his life. That is how it works. Uh, I mean, his throne is a throne of grace. That is what you find inside that throne room. He's invited each one of us to come and sit with him at the table, to join with him in his life, to have the same meal as what he is having, to share in his fullness, to share in his kindness, to share in his quality of life. The fruit of the Spirit, church, has always been a promise from God. It has always been uh, that which God has called us unto and what God would manifest in us. It is not about us doing good works. It is about God bringing forth his life in us. When we look at uh, Titus chapter 1, and I want to just touch on that, and for those of you that have been in the live stream during the Zoom, um, I've shared this in our introduction, but just for our viewers that will watch this later on on YouTube and in Facebook, I want to just share from Titus Chapter 1. This is such a powerful passage. Um, and I've preached on it so many times. But it is so, so powerful that we cannot but look at it over and over again. It says here in Titus 1 verse 2 that Paul is in the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. What is eternal life? Eternal life is eternal existence, meaning to live and never die. And it also means to have nothing in your life that has anything to do with death. To have uh, character, to have the attributes of the Spirit, to have kindness and love and goodness and all those kind of things that accompanies eternal life. God who has eternal life has got all the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of life. That's what fruit of the Spirit means. It's a fruit of life, fruit of eternal life. Now, God has all of that, and he promised us that. So when God made you, when uh, Adam and Eve opened their eyes, when the first people that God ever dealt with, that he brought forth, the first high priests that he ever shared his life with, that he spoke to, he came to them uh, in the anticipation to bring forth who he is in them. It was never about them. It was never about what they must do. It has always been about what God can bring forth in them, in how he can share his life with people. It, we have always been the clay, uh, and he has been the potter. We have always been the, the vessel, and he the one that shapes and forms the vessel, pouring himself out in us. It has never been about our good works. It has never been about us 
trying to put a smile on God's face by our good works. It has always been uh, the hope of eternal life that has been placed before man. When God promised man eternal life, uh, God was immediately, when he promised man eternal life, indebted to man. Now, it sounds like blasphemy to say that God owes us anything. God doesn't owe us anything on the foundation of us doing good and then God owing us. The Bible says that he who lives by the law, that which he receives by his good works is a payment uh, because you, you are owed the things that the law promised if you live by the law but we don't live by the law we live by grace so we don't live by the law where we make God owe us I remember that there was times when I've listened to grace teachings and I mean grace teaching I mean tithing teachings and I've even preached many years ago a teaching of sowing and reaping where it was said that if you do your part then God is kept to by the scripture to do his part. He's indebted to you because of your own good works. Now I want to say to you that God is not indebted to you because of your own good works, because you can never produce enough good works that God would owe you anything. But the, the fact that God does owe us something is true in the sense that God promised us if I've promised somebody something, then I have to do it. If Elena and I make a promise to someone in Zambia and say, this is what we're going to do, or if we make a promise to you that says, listen, we are going to spend money that you've given in a certain way, that promise, uh, when we make the promise, we are to keep the promise. We are indebted to the one unto whom we make the promise and it would be by our ability that we will have to fulfill that promise. So God came and he made a promise to man. That promise, which is called eternal life, is also called grace. Grace is the power of heaven. Grace is the, as I said in the introduction, the electricity of heaven, the energy of heaven, the very spirit of God. That is what God promised us. He promised us grace. Grace is not what comes into existence when man sins. Grace existed before the world began. Grace is the influential power of the heavenly family, the power that there is between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Grace is the very life of God. As the scripture says in Timothy, it teaches us how to be holy. It brings forth his character. It brings forth his life in us. That is the grace of God. So if we live by grace, it means that we have life by the very energy of heaven, if you want to call it like that, the dynamics of life between Father, Son and Holy Spirit, we live by that. That is what we live by. That is the life that there is inside us. That is the atmosphere that everything functions in. So when we live by grace, it's not by our works. It is by the goodness of God towards us, in God keeping his promise. It's humbling to think that the Almighty God made a promise to us, and as he made that promise to us, he basically 
um, owes us what he has promised and that he willingly out of his own free will placed himself in a place where he owes man not because of man's good works but because of his equity of character because he cannot lie and this promise that was before time began realized it materialized in Jesus and the promise was that he will give unto dying man or mortal man eternal life and we found that this was manifested in the resurrected Jesus the apostle Paul on his way to Damascus met with this resurrected Jesus many days after his resurrection uh, Saul back then didn't think that Jesus was alive he was on his way to Damascus and he had a letter from the chief priests to go and take people in the church captive put them in jail take them to Jerusalem and there some of them were even killed this is what Saul of Tarsus did on his way uh, wherein he was going to destroy this conspiracy that there was a man that was raised from the dead called Jesus uh, and stop all of his followers on his way there the man who he thinks has died appears right in front of him and he sees the fullness of God in human flesh the fullness of God manifested in human flesh which was mortal that died and is now raised from the dead he sees that he calls that the grace of God that grace that manifests in front of him asks him a question and says Saul Saul why are you persecuting me Saul then made the came to the conclusion he had to come to the conclusion that he was not persecuting Jesus but he was persecuting the church that is actually what act says great persecution arose against the church so Jesus comes and he looks at the church and then speaks to Paul who's persecuting the church and he says why are you persecuting me and what Jesus does is he basically says that these people that you are seeing right now they are my body that is me and the union that there is between the father and the son and the Holy Spirit is all of a sudden declared and it includes the believer what Paul then basically had to conclude is that what the church seems to be just a splinter group that is rebellious against the laws of God and a group that believes in a resurrection and they are much they are not what it seems they are much more because what Jesus is is what they are because Jesus said why are you persecuting me now we can say that why are you persecuting what I'm doing in the earth uh, I, I do agree that we can say that as well but the words were why are you persecuting me 
Saul of Tarsus couldn't but conclude that what Jesus is, this fullness, is what these people are, but that it is simply not yet manifested, and that the reality around who the church is, is only truly seen for what it truly is in the glorified, resurrected Jesus Christ. And Saul of Tarsus, not long from that day, went about preaching the resurrection. That is what he was preaching. And he was preaching the hope of the resurrection, which is that the fullness of who Jesus Christ is, is to be manifested in everyone that believes upon him, and that the spirit of life, which is to manifest that truth, that the one who believes upon Jesus now receives that spirit, and now has life from that spirit. You know, I've um, I've preached the message of grace for a long time, and sadly, there has been people that has taken this message as uh, as licentiousness, just as saying, "Well, that means that there's nothing that we need to do, so let me go and get drunk, let me go and uh, just live as what I." just wish to live let me just give over to my addictions and then we found these these people spreading a message saying you know this is what Bertie teaches you know go and sin like the worst sinner it's okay God loves you now I want to say this the worst sinner there is on the planet is the very one that Jesus Christ died for and that he rose from the dead for and that he invites into the grace of God which teaches us and teaches doesn't mean like in a lecture room where on a whiteboard you find 10 rules on how you need to live no teaches there means it empowers us it shows us how by its own ability uh, it teaches us the very life that there is in the Godhead glory to God that's what it teaches that's what it shows so when we talk about a new creation which the title of my message is today um, when we talk about a new creation we basically talk about God uh, creating man from the dust of the earth and then taking the dust man and creating that man into the fullness of who God is that is the new creation so first there is a creation that is from the earth uh, a dust creation and then there is a further creation that dust creation is then made into something that looks just like heaven it is almost like um, it can be likened to parents having children you you first have to have a baby and then this baby as he grows up you shape and teach and love into a, a person that has got a certain quality of life and that is what God is doing with man. So I want to say to you that yes, as what a baby is born, he is born. But then a creation takes place from that child or that child is then created into a grown-up man. And that is what God does with man. He made us from the dust of the earth and now recreates or from that creates us into the fullness of God bodily. 
That is what he is doing. And that is absolute awesome, awesome news. This is a reality that we see in Jesus Christ. And it is some, it is the truth that we uh, think from, reason from, and live from. I want to just go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. I did minister on this um, last week, but I'm going to just read it again. It says here that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all the new things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Can you see how the reconciliation unto himself doesn't have to do with God not being angry, but God bringing us into his quality of life? A person that lives by the law, that does very good things, that lives in the abundance of good works by the law, uh, he is still a mortal being. He has to be reconciled unto God. The life he lives, he lives from his own ability to keep the law. And he needs to be reconciled to God wherein the life that he has is produced by God, it is from God, it is true God flowing into human beings wherein humans can then experience true God in the physical by the doing of God. That is called grace. <laughs> Glory to God. Who doesn't want to hear about grace? I mean, sadly, there are some that want to uh, stay under the message of the law and not under grace. And I think that it is because of self-love. It is because you think that, you know, you, you don't want to die to self. You don't want to be at a place where you say it is not me, myself and I, but where you say it is all about him and none of my good works. Uh, yes, there are sometimes people like that. But I would say there is a message, there's a voice in every person wherein there's a drawing unto it must be about him and not about us. So I want to tell you that in Jesus Christ we are under the dispensation of grace. or We are under the rule of the, uh, uh, the way the Trinity lived before the world began. Grace is something like this. There was a life before the world began. That life was lived, and if I want to use in, in, in simple forms, it was a family life, a family logic, wherein the eternal divine life of God was active between uh, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is what we call them now. I don't know what Father was called before he was manifested as Father. I don't know what he would have been called. I don't know what the second person of the Godhead would have been called. We know him now as Jesus uh, or Son. But what he would be called outside of the terms that we understand as family, I don't know. I just know we can call him God. God, the family God, Elohim. Uh, the, the Hebrew word Elohim. God was there. And then he said, let us make man. And what then happened in, uh, and he promised this unto man. So he created man and he said to man, believe me, I am my work and my job with man is to pour this who I am out on man. 
And um, we find that in Jesus Christ, we find that outpouring taking place on a human being. And we saw what it looked like. This, when heaven is poured out on earth, we find an empty grave. (laughs) We find an empty grave. We find sin in the flesh condemned by the realities of the life that there is between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit poured out on us. Who smart I know? Hallelujah. (laughs) What a beautiful gospel. What a beautiful truth. We are the workmanship of God created unto good works. What that means is we are his workmanship. We are created unto the full experience and expression of what was before the world began. And that is called grace. Oh, glory to God. That is what it means when the scripture says we are reconciled unto God. We are reconciled unto God. We can almost look at it, look at this example. What would it look like if you reconcile a dog unto human? It means that the dog would have to lose he, the, the attributes that he has. Or let, let me put it this way, a, a more better example. What would it look like if you reconcile a bird unto, or, or if you reconcile a dog unto a bird? The dog would have to uh, get the ability to fly. So if God through Christ, of God, has reconciled us unto himself through Jesus Christ, it means that because of God, we have now received, on account of God's Spirit, the ability to share in the fullness of God's life, conquering sin and death by God. What I'm sharing with you today is called the Gospel the good news, the intent of God, the love of God, that which was from the beginning, that which is from everlasting to everlasting, that which is of such a a fashion and such a passion and such a form that, um, that as what Jesus has said, to, his, to, to, to the Pharisees when they spoke about Abraham as father and so Jesus said before Abraham was I am that we would be at a place where as we receive the fullness of the Godhead manifesting in us we would also know what it would have feel, feel like that before Abraham was that we were Now that almost sounds like blasphemy, but I want to tell you that is the life that God has brought for us. The glory that was possessed in Jesus, which God has promised us before the world began, we shall be clothed with that glory. And that glory is already begun in us by the Holy Spirit that is poured out in us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. 
<laughs> the, that which God intended to create has now started in you. You might say, but man, when I look into the mirror, you know, I, I'm, I see gray hair. And look at my beard. I decided to grow a bit of a beard. And I look in the mirror. I looked in this morning, uh, combed my beard, and I looked at the gray beard. And when I looked at that gray beard, you know what came to mind? The promise of God. <laughs> saying that I am not defined by the gray beard. Matter of fact, I like my gray beard. Um, when, I, when I look at age in my eyes, I just look at what is passing away. I'm not looking at myself passing away. I'm looking at what is passing away, and that is age. When I look at the, my gray beard, I look at what is passing away. I'm not passing away. Grayness is passing away. Age is passing away. Why? Because of the spirit of life that has been poured out on me. The spirit of life that is in me, that is over me, the promise that, that I, I see when I look at whatsoever that does not line up with the fullness of the Godhead bodily, I behold at what is passing away. Age and death is not the reality. Age and death is not what is eternal. What is eternal is what God demonstrated in Christ. And we who are in Christ, we are a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all the new that has come um, is, is of God. I don't have to try and make myself new. I don't have to try and make myself holy. I don't have to try and make myself righteous. I don't have to try and make good works uh, rise up in me. No. Even if I think of, of people that has spread a message and said, you know, this has happened years ago. I don't know why I think of this today. But um, people thinking and saying, you know, Bertie is preaching that we can sin whatever, as much as what we like and whatever. That person is not understanding the gospel and he is not beholding the truth about himself. He's believing a lie. He's looking at what is passing away and made that the reality about himself. Whenever I see something in my life that is not lining up with who God is, I just say, well, that's not eternal. It's passing away. It is not the reality of God's promise about me. God will grace that out of my life. God will grace holiness and his fullness into me. God will grace joy into my life. He will grace a a carefree life, carefree not in the sense of you caring for nobody, but that you're not taking care of um, that which promises death, but you care about that which is eternal and life-giving. So here it says, and now I've preached about this last week, but let's say it again, and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. We are, we are not reconciled or we are not united. Reconciled can be, un we can use the word united. We are not united with death. We are not united with the latest uh, conspiracy theory that is on the block. I just want to say this. Even if every conspiracy theory that is available turns out to be the truth it is still not the message that's going to bring you life 
Even if everything that he said, even if everything about the vaccine that is a conspiracy theory would turn out to be the truth, even if it is uh, nanobots that change your DNA that makes you a half a reptile or something like that, even if it is that they try to uh, kill people and Bill Gates want to kill people, even if that would be the truth, that is not the message that's supposed to be in the mouth of the church. Because that is not what God preached in Jesus. Jesus wasn't going about when he was on the earth, neither were the disciples going about spreading all the strategies that Rome has to rule over the church. They were preaching the resurrection. They were preaching Jesus Christ. God is not going about today in the Holy Spirit sharing with people what the wrong things are that is going about in governments everywhere. He's not doing that. That is not the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, the grace that is inside the throne room of God, is reminding us of what we have freely received in Christ, which is the very force of the throne room of God, the dynamics that there is in the Godhead. Now by that I'm not saying that you cannot bear any knowledge of what is going on and when there are evil governments and those kind of things. I mean, if I drive to Cape Town and they've got riots on the N7, I would like to know about that so that I can take a different route. Um, it's not that I'm saying that the church should just be... Uh, uh, having no knowledge of anything that is bad in the world. But what I'm saying is is that we are not going to have salvation by having knowledge of every bad thing that's in the world and trying to steer away from it. No, that would be like the law. The law would tell you what is the good and what is the bad. It's a knowledge of good and evil. And then you have to try to do the good thing to clothe yourself with life. We don't have to have knowledge of every bad thing that is in the world so that we can be afraid of it, steer away from it, and so produce life by our own works. No, we have to. The only knowledge we have to have is the knowledge of God. And that is the knowledge about God, what God has done in Jesus Christ, and how we can see ourselves included into that as the apostle Paul had a revelation about it when he beheld the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus and had to conclude that the very person that I am about to persecute in Damascus when I touch him I am touching this glorified Jesus and they are actually one that you cannot kill the church when you behold the church, you behold that which will never die. When you behold any, any conspiracy theory, even if it would not just be a, 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 a theory, or if, even if it is seen as the truth, even if it would be true, whatever evil you behold in the world, it, you are beholding something that's temporal, something that doesn't have eternal life, that doesn't have in, uh, uh, eternal existence. We need to understand that death is doesn't have eternal life. We need to understand that anything that is evil doesn't have eternal life. We need to understand that hatred and bitterness and all those kind of things, plotting and scheming and lies and murderings and all those things, it's not eternal. That is what is passing away. It will not be forever. What will be forever is what is demonstrated in the resurrected Jesus. And that demonstration of what is in Christ is 
our reconciliation, our union with God. We were part of what is temporal. We were part of what is passing away. We were part of what is decaying. But in Christ, we were reconciled unto eternal life. We were reconciled unto peace. We were reconciled unto joy. Meaning that we don't need for the world to first change before we can be happy. What makes us happy is this reconciliation. Glory to God. And that is the reality about yourself. That is the reality about who you are. Once we start to meditate and ponder upon and think upon this very verse, and not just the verse, but the the reason why this verse was written, which is because it's true. We realize that we have been reconciled unto God himself, as what a dog would be reconciled unto a bird in sharing in the life of the bird. So we are reconciled unto God by Jesus Christ, and we have been given the ministration of reconciliation, which is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself by not imputing their trespasses again, them that means that he is taking away the trespass that's in them and is not reckoning it unto them but is reckoning who he is unto them sharing his life with them that is absolute absolute good news I want to go to just quickly touch on uh, Galatians 6 also preached on this last week um, now listen to what it says here in verse 15. It says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision avails anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. What it basically says is, the only way wherein you can share in God's life is by God making things new, not by you keeping the law or not keeping the law. And then it says, As many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them. What rule? The rule that says it's not by my works, but it is by the grace of God. Peace on them. Hallelujah. So we have got a certain principle by which we walk. That principle is the principle of what is true in Christ is true in me. Now I want to go to Colossians 3. I did not preach about this last week. It says here, and, and I think this is, what we have to do as the church, as people. This is the part that pertains to our understanding and our everyday living. It says here, lie not to one another, seek, uh, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in acknowledgement after the image of him that created him. So what he's saying is, he says, let us not live uh, the life of the old man since we have, since the old man, the mortal man, the sinful man, the dying man, that in Christ it was put off. Meaning, it's like getting unclothed, taking off a jacket and putting it down. You are unclothed from that. How? Because of Christ. And now he's saying, and we have put on the new, which, and I'm going to use my own words here, which is 
manifested in this world as we acknowledge the truth about it. And what we are manifested into is the very image of him that created him. So God created a new man in Jesus and he made you new in Christ. And as we acknowledge that this is true, as we see this as the truth and believe it about ourselves, we find that we are renewed talking about the manifestation in this life, according to what we are acknowledging. So, as you are acknowledging that I have been made new, that I don't live by the works of the law, but I live by the power of the resurrection of Christ, that His life is my life, that when I look at Him, I behold the glory of God in the face of a man. And since I am a man, that glory belongs to me. The, the, the invitation unto the life of God, which God made before the world began, uh, that invitation has now materialized in the way that the party that is invited us unto uh, the date of that party has now come and we can now go to the party we can now experience what God has promised as we believe upon him as we say that what is true in Christ is true in me as we behold Jesus as the word about us in the beginning was God's promise towards you. And let me read John 1 there. Now, some might have an issue with the way I interpret John 1 here. Um, but I'm just using the liberty that I have to put it out there. You can go and look at it and study this out for yourself. In the beginning was the word. What word was in the beginning? The, the word of promise. That's what it, is, what it says in Titus. Titus 1 says that we are in the hope of eternal life which God has promised before the world began but has now manifested his word through preaching. So what, did God what was the word that was from the beginning? There was a word that God would bring forth a human being and share forth, share his grace, his fullness of life with humans. That word of promise was from the beginning that promise was God himself so what did God promise God promised himself in the beginning was the promise of eternal life and that promise of eternal life was the promise of God himself so what did God promise you he promised you himself this is what is in Genesis 15. He comes to Abraham. He says, Abraham, fear not, for I am your exceeding great reward. What is the reward for believing in God? It is God. That's the reward. In the beginning was the promise of eternal life, the promise of God. This promise was God himself. This promise was with God. In other words, this is uh, with God means together with standing face to face, being in line with who God, he, who God really is. The same was in the beginning with God. So from the beginning, God had this intention to bring this forth in you. It's not something new with God. He says all things were made by this promise of eternal life.
And without this promise of eternal life was nothing made that was made. So all things, the earth that was created, the heavens that was created, the stars that was created, the angels was, that was created, everything was created by this promise or with eternal life to humans in mind. Nothing that was made was made without this promise of eternal life that God has promised us. Nothing. It is what it all revolves around. And we find that this promise of eternal life, this word, has come into manifestation in Jesus. And we behold the glory of this word when Jesus was raised from the dead. And when he was raised from the dead, he gave the empty grave unto us as his covenant with us. And his covenant is not as of two people, meaning it's a covenant between two with a mediator wherein he has his part to do and we have our part to do. No, his covenant with us is in the power of a promise, which means it only needs one, and that is God. God promised us all we can do is believe it and share in it or reject it and destroy our own lives by our own works. In this word is life. In this promise of eternal life is the life that we need. And this life was made flesh and came and dwelt amongst us. I want to tell you, there was nothing that God ever did outside of having in mind to give you eternal life. Nothing. Nothing. He didn't make the earth. He didn't make the heavens. He didn't have the Jewish priesthood. He didn't, ha didn't make a covenant with the Jews. He didn't create one tree. He didn't create one animal. He didn't make one angel. He didn't do anything without it, without bringing eternal life to humans as the very foundation from where he did everything. This eternal life, this word, is the source of all things. It is nothing that was created was created outside of it. And I want to tell you, this word of eternal life is what sustains all things and keeps everything going. Because God has promised us eternal life, that promise of eternal life, which is now seen and fully manifested as the glorified Jesus Christ, is what sustains all things. That's what keeps the earth spinning. That's what keeps the galaxies in its place, is the promise that God has towards you in sharing his quality of life with you, his faithfulness towards you. Amen and amen. I don't know, the timer, can you just put it on for me, um, Eliana? Three minutes left. Well, I've kind of guessed right. <laughs> so um, I just want to say to you that you are a new creation. That which God has promised has started the day you believed upon him. And when you found that you are now born again from the new and living hope. When the Bible talks about being born again of a new and living hope. is by understanding this message and having a life born from the expectation of the grace of the throne room. Gracing you to the point where you even bodily will shine forth like the sun and brighter than the sun. You might say, but Bertie, I'm becoming old and I'm dying. Even if you stand at a loved one's grave, that grave is something that is temporal. You are beholding what is passing away. <laughs> 
And when you experience the life of God in you, you are beholding and experiencing that which is eternal. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me end off with Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation. We're not condemned to death anymore. We're not condemned to the fears of this world anymore. We're not condemned to have our joy based on the latest news report. We are not condemned to the fruit of the flesh anymore. We are not condemned to addictions anymore. We are, there's no condemnation for them which are in Christ Jesus. These are those who have their life born after the Spirit and not the works of the law. I'm going to use my own words. I'm going to paraphrase Romans. It says, Romans 8 here, There is therefore no condemnation unto death or the fruit of the flesh to them which are in Christ Jesus, who find the source of their life as grace and not the works of the law. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For the law was not able to bring forth life in me. It was weak because of my own abilities. But God sent forth His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin and condemned sin in the flesh. You're not condemned. That which kills you is what is condemned. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Hallelujah. Isn't that absolutely, absolutely powerful? If you read a bit later on, it says there, Who is he that condemns? It is Christ. What does Christ condemn? He condemns death. Condemn means to kill or to give a death sentence. So, God in Christ gave a death sentence to death in your life. And an eternal life sentence to who he is in your life. And he promised it to you and he will bring it forth. We've seen the first signs of how it will look in the resurrected Jesus. And we see the first signs of it in our lives as we believe and call upon him. And he brings forth the fruit of the spirit. And we have the hope of the resurrection. Seeing the fullness of who God is manifesting in us bodily. And that is called the gospel of grace. You who believe upon him, you are already part of the new creation, reconciled unto God. Your sins are not accounted to you. What that means is God doesn't say that he doesn't make your sin your problem. He made your sin his problem. And he gave you his life. Glory to God. Thank you that I could share this message with all of you. Thank you for everybody that has slotted in. I just see your names here on the screen. It's just beautiful to have, um, have all of you here. Thank you for allowing me to serve you with the good news. Let us pray together. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace. Thank you for the kindness that you express towards us. Thank you that we are a new creation. Thank you that as we look at the news and politics and all the evil that's around in the world, we are beholding what is temporal.
Uh, it is not eternal. Thank you that as we look at everything that spells death, we, we see the empty grave. When we behold the place of death, we see that we are not included in that death because you were raised from the dead and we are included in your resurrection. Thank you for your life over us, O God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you for allowing me to serve you and we will then chat again next week. Amen. For those of you that are that want to slot into a Zoom fellowship, just afterwards you can just stay uh, logged into the Zoom meeting and we will just divide you guys into different groups where you can then face-to-face talk to each other and minister to one another. Uh, you know and pray for one another or just talk about this good news and how it's impacted your life thank you for also sharing this message with others god bless